You know, it's funny, we, uh, funny peculiar in the sense that uh, we have that, that little film clip, cartoon clip, um, and you think about that and you think, well, that's kind of a silly way of illustrating the opposite of unfaithfulness. But you know, somebody told me this after the 930 service, and, and sometimes you don't think about that, how, you know, sometimes these simple, silly things can, can illustrate the realities of life. Somebody told me after the 930 service that um, once again, in a particular situation, I won't go into detail, um, they felt like Charlie Brown in a relationship where somebody once again pulled the football out from in front of them again and they fall flat on their back. And uh, that just typifies the exact opposite of what we're talking about when we talk about faithfulness. Now, it's in this passage, I told you, from Galatians chapter 5. Let me show it to you because it's just important to see in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, He will produce this kind of fruit in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We've talked about all of those. Faithfulness, to be talked about then, gentleness and self-control. It's important to note once again that these are qualities that cannot be worked on. They cannot be acquired. They cannot be achieved by sheer strength of will. They are a byproduct. And I say this, I think, every Sunday that I've been talking about this because it's so important. They're a byproduct of God, the Holy Spirit, working in our lives. Please don't, please don't miss that. That's huge. One of the quotes that I've used from a, a commentary that I particularly like, I'm going to use again, um, and maybe you've been here for it, maybe you haven't, but it just really illustrates what we're talking about here. Uh, Warren Wiersbe, we could meditate for hours on the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Note especially that love heads the list. Paul clearly states that no law, please watch this, this is so important, no law could ever produce this kind of character. When will people learn? that making resolutions will never sanctify them, never make them holy. Many of us have tried that, haven't we? Well, I'm not going to do this, and I am going to do this, and an hour later, boom, we violated both of those things. So that's what happens when we try. That's a good thing to try. But when we try to, to, to live to a standard that we can't without the help of God the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives the moment that we trust Christ. So that's what we're talking about here. And we're just kind of unpacking each one of these, these statements uh, uh, as we go through this series. And this one is faithfulness. And I want to talk about that because like Steve said earlier, we all have certain concepts of what being faithful means and, and the context of where that should be used. And I want to try to break away from that for a moment. All right? So let's just talk about that. Let me give you some definitions just to kind of help you uh, from some different commentaries and so forth. Faithfulness is the quality which renders a person trustworthy or reliable. Faith, Matthew Henry says, Faith, fidelity, justice, and honesty in what we profess and in what we promise to others. That's what faithfulness is. And we need to understand, we talk about faithfulness and, and this dependability. And I'm going, to go, I'm going to give you a whole 10-point, if you will, definition almost in just a moment. But one of the things we've got to stop when we start, start thinking about faithfulness, it begins in the little things. 
So many times we think, well, that relates to marriage, and, and, it, and it does. Or, or that relates to business and, and, and being a good steward, good being faithful in my, in my uh, business of what I'm supposed to be in charge of. It relates to all those things. But it begins with little things, too. It's an important thing to think about. Um, and one of the interesting things about faithfulness is it's a quality that is universally appreciated in any setting by people of faith or not at all. It's true. One of the things, that when we talk about that, and I want to talk about that, that, that faithfulness is reflected in the small things. One of the areas, and, and those of you who come here very more than once probably know one of my passions is golf. One of the great things about golf is, beside the fact that it's a gentleman's game, or ladies' game, um, and, and it's, it's a game of honor. And if you break the rules, you have to, you have to score yourself accordingly. And one of the things about golf that's kind of cool is this, that, and that is, um, now let me, let me step back just for a moment because it's an important issue. One of the things you hear I, I'm in this club that I'm a member of, they have what they call a men's grill room. Now, I hope that doesn't offend you, but it, that's what the, most, many country clubs have. Uh, I think Canoe Brook is now politically correct, but many country clubs have a men's grill room where only men are allowed. That's just life. I'm sorry if that offends you. We had somebody who was in the 930 serve terribly offended by that. In fact, they told me long before this, in a social setting, when they found out that I was a member of this club, they said, you know, I really have a problem, and they're serious, I really have a problem with my pastor being a member of a club where women aren't allowed in the grill room. I said, there's a grill room for, for, for men and women? And she says, is it just for women? I said, no. And uh, she said, well, I want to go into the men's grill room. And I said, guess who you won't, guess which club you won't be invited to by me. But, but anyway, in this discussion... In this discussion, I love her, and she's a great person, but in this discussion, it comes out, and she's all offended that I'm a member of this club that has a, just for, has a men's grill room. Yeah, and, and you find out as you get to know her, but she went to a freaking college that only women could go to. <laughs> so I had to use that. I had to pull that trump card out on her. But anyway, one of the things, so aside from that, some of you know who I'm talking about, and we love her, but that's okay. We all have our, our things. Um... She's a feminist from New York City. What can I say? No, no. I wish she were here. No, I'm teasing. That's not the case at all. Um, um, one of the things that I hear in this men's grill room oftentimes is, and it's kind of, it's kind of fun just to try to sit back in the corner and listen. And it, it's not as much fun as it used to be because people are getting to know who I am and then I'm, in their words, irreverent so that you don't get to hear as much as you used to. But... Um, <laughs> About back before the people started finding that out, you would, you'd hear guys talking about, you can tell a lot about a guy by how he plays golf. You can, talk, you can tell a lot about a guy's character by how he plays. And that's true. Because unless, unless you set the rules in golf, it's very interesting. You can be over, and if you watch the U.S. Open, that you'll, you'll see, you can walk over to the rough and you can see your ball is just, you've got a horrible lie. You've got to hit it the way, you've got to play it like it is. That's just, that's just the game. So if you start, you know, fudging around with your feet and try to move it up a little bit, I mean, you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, some people try to do that. And those who do get talked about in the men's grill room, okay, as you can imagine. And, and, and so to me, it's kind of interesting that in something that is a small, now obviously if you're a golfer, you know that sometimes you'll tee it up and everybody will have an agreement in that foursome, hey, we're going to roll the ball, it's okay. That's a different deal. If you don't, unless you do that, you just, you just play it like it lies. That's just part of the game. Okay, And if you don't do that, and if you're one of those people who every now and then people are kind of looking around at and they see, you know, this little foot wedge thing going on, um, you're going to get a reputation. It's interesting to me 
that even in that kind of a setting, that's not, that's not smiled upon. And you get a reputation, and after a while people won't play with you, at least if there's a match involved, money or anything, prizes or whatever. So, so what I want you to see, and the reason I tell you that story is because it's really important in even something that small, whether you're a golfer or not, I think you can understand my point there. It's very important in terms of what we talk about when we talk about integrity. Because if you're one of those people who says, you know, it's just a little white lie, then you pile that white lie up on top of another little white lie. And you, t- and, you, and you keep going, you know, somewhere that pile of white lies tips over, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, integrity is at stake. Faithfulness is at stake. And we need to understand that. And we need to step back from that and realize, and Jesus talked about this. Look what Jesus says. Unless you are faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? Isn't that a great, I mean, it's just a great thing to stop and meditate on and think about. Because Jesus here is talking about how important faithfulness is even in the little things. Always, I always found it interesting. You probably haven't been to these kinds of things unless you just happen to be there. But sometimes in pastors' conferences, particularly, you'll hear some pastor stand up. And, and, uh, and, uh, and often I've heard this a number of times in my life where a pastor will stand up and he'll say, well, you know, I don't have much money. I'm poor. God, God could never trust me with money. And I'm thinking, that's a terrible thing. I don't have any money either, but I hope it's not because God doesn't trust me with it. It may have something to do with the kind of work that I've chosen to do, you know. It may have something to do with that. But, but the, you know, when you say, well, God can't trust, you know, we need to be able to be trusted with money as well as other riches, which in, I believe in the case of the text here and, and, and Luke is, is lives, other lives and so forth. So, let's unpack this thing of faithfulness. What does it mean, and how does it work, and have I, what if I've blown it? What do I do with that? How do I handle that? Let's talk about that. I got, I got, this is real simple. I'm going to blow through these things very quickly, but let's just jump into 10, ten things that faithfulness is. We're just going to look at them very quickly, and I'll make a few comments. Faithfulness is being dependable. I think we think of that oftentimes. We think of faith. He's dependable. He's a faithful guy, faithful lady. She's dependable. Faithfulness is being true to your word. Faithfulness is being reliable, not quitting. You know, some of these are going to be some of these are going to kind of be some overlap, a little repetitive here and there. That's okay. I want to make sure you understand it. Being reliable, you know, being reliable means you don't quit. And many times we teach our children, don't quit, don't quit. You start something, you got to finish it. Well, I don't like it. Well, you still got to finish it. Why is that? Because that's just that's just the right thing to do. Okay, it's a biblical quality, by the way. A lot of people don't realize that. It's keeping your promises person who's faithful keeps their promises. You know, and, and obviously there are certain situ- situations, certain settings, particularly in business, sometimes even in relationships, where you can't keep a promise. Maybe you've made a promise to your kids, you're going to do such and such, circumstances just start caving in around you, and, and something happens, and you can't keep that promise. That happens to all of us in different settings. Well, that's when you stop and you say, hey, you know, don't be hypocritical about it. Say, well, I didn't promise that. I promise. Just say, you know what? I did promise you that. 
But things have changed. I can't keep that promise right now. And here's why. Be honest about that. That that happens in life. You know, and so don't be one of those people and well, I'll try to change what the promise. No, just be honest. You know what I promised you? I shouldn't have promised you that because I really can't fulfill it now. By the way, it helps you rethink those things that you do promise. There's a lot, you know, if you ask me to promise you that I'll do something, you're going to have a hard time nailing me down. But I'm going to be like, look, I'll do my best to do that. I'm not going to make that promise because I'm not sure I can fulfill that. Right? And that's, that's just, I guess, age. I don't know. Um, faithfulness is praying. Praying for others. Faithfulness delivers the hard message. Let me show you this proverb. This is really cool. Proverbs 27. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. In other words, if you're my friend, you'll tell me the truth. You won't sugarcoat it. You'll tell me the truth. My enemy may just flatter me to no end, but it's just flattery. It's just empty. The Bible talks about that. You know, faithfulness will deliver the hard message. It'll say, it'll say the things that might be difficult to say. Number seven, it doesn't, you know, number seven, faithfulness doesn't mean you can't change your mind. You know, some people say, well, he's dependable. You, this is where you were. You know what? Sometimes we stop. It's kind of like the promise thing. We stop, we reflect, we meditate, we think, and you say, you know what? This is my position, but I'm changing that. You know, it doesn't mean you can't do that. Now, don't do that all the time or you're going to be, you know, all over the place. you waffling on everything. But that does happen occasionally in life where we change a position on something and we need to be honest and open about that. Faithfulness is having a strong sense of fairness, of justice, of what's fair and what's just. Faithfulness is being authentic. That's, that's so important. That's the lack of hypocrisy. One of the things, one of the things that, you know, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Many people find more authenticity in a bar than they do in church. And, and it's not because everybody's drunk, you know. It's because they're just being honest. And, and that's, that's, just, that's just a dirty shame. And one of the things at church, and we've tried to do this here at Renaissance, and I'm not telling you we're perfect because we're not is be able to say, here's who you are and we accept you and, and God loves you, who you are and what you are with all your baggage, whether it's a U-Haul trailer or a U-Haul truck full of it, we still, you, you're still welcome and God still loves you. So, authenticity is part of being faithful. It's very important. Now, the tenth thing is this one. It's, it's kind of a, a summary statement of all the things I've said. You know, and that faithfulness is just being the same person in different circumstances. If someone can say about you, they're the same person at their core, I realize in certain social settings we have to put on, you know, our A game and manners or whatever. But I'm talking about being the same core person. Hopefully you won't have no manners if you're not in that setting, but that's another, that's another sermon. Um, it's the same person, the same core person, no matter what the circumstances might be, and no matter who the people might be that are around you. Now, I've got to stop here, and I've got to do an interjection, because this is very important. Making a mistake or a failure doesn't make one unfaithful. And I don't care whether we're talking about a business failure or whether we're talking about a moral failure in your marriage or some other kind of failure. It doesn't make one unfaithful. 
and I've had the, the privilege. I'm, I'm, I've seen a lot. This year is my 30th year in ministry. I'm two days. I'm going to be 57. And um, I've had the opportunity to see a lot. And I've, everything from sitting with, with guys who were involved early on in some of those SNL things, I think in the 90s or late 80s, whenever that was, uh, who in some cases, we had a bunch of those guys in Vail. I don't know how they... I guess the SNL crisis happened because everybody was buying houses in Vail. I don't know. But, uh, um, and to sit there with some of those guys when they had to have a come to Jesus with the law, literally, uh, in court. I don't care whether it's one of those kind of things and a financial failure in that area because of dishonesty or because of misrepresentation. I had a discussion not, not long ago with a good friend. Well, if I told the story, and I told it on Sunday night. Called him, hadn't talked to him in several months, and usually I see him once a year. We play golf somewhere in the south. He said, I said, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. He said, no, you haven't. When's the last time we talked? I said, I think the last time we played golf, which was like July or August. He said, oh, guess where I've been for the last few months? I said, I'm Cancun? I don't know. <laughs> he said, no, I've been in the jail. And I was like, oh, my gosh. We started talking about it, and he's in a financial setting and had done some things that were um, um, obviously inappropriate. We talked about that and talked about how people respond and how some people don't respond and how people, some people were there to help and some people just dropped you like a hot potato. And We talked through this whole thing. And one of the things I told him is the same thing that I told, well, I've told a number of men in situations like this in a different setting, and I'll tell you what that is in just a second, where I've been with some guys, and in some cases women, who, who have gone through some different issue, difficult issues in their marriage where one or the other cheated and, and there was some moral failure. And, and I remember vividly, and this has happened a number of times, but I remember vividly one individual I was with, and I made this point to him, and I said, listen, this has been a few years ago, I said, listen, you need to understand something. Same thing I told my friend who just got out of jail. I said, you need to understand something. Our lives are not defined by one failure or two or three failures. Our lives are defined by who we are. And that's who we are. That's the, as the writers would say, that's the body of work of your whole life. That's not one or two or three or four mistakes in a, in a period of time in your life or however many that happen to be. And we, we need to stop and we need to recognize that making mistakes or failures doesn't make one unfaithful. You know why? Because there's not a person here in this opera house or that was here at 9.30 that haven't made failures in different proportions, in different levels of impact. Folks, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. And if you want to, if you don't know about that, just look around. And if you can't see somebody right, just look up here. Okay? And you'll see another fellow failure at one time or another. Okay? And that's the issue here. And that's what we need to stop and think about that. So this is what being faithful is. All that is what being faithful is. But thank God through Jesus that making mistakes or failures doesn't define our lives. Mother Teresa said this, and I just love this. I do not pray for success. I ask for faithfulness. Now, that's, that's the relationship aspect of it. 
more importantly, I just want to mention two things. Then I want to. Then I'm going to. I'm going to get the band to come back up in a couple of minutes and just do a little bit of that last song they did because it's just so good. Um, being faithful is staying. Let's talk what it is really. It's not just about people. Being faithful is staying focused on honoring God in how you live. It's a daily God consciousness, God awareness. It means that I live aware of His presence. Okay. It means that I live aware of His presence and blessings in spite of doubts, in spite of questions, in spite of even some disappointments with issues and mysteries and the disappointments of life. Or I should say even some discontent with the issues or mysteries and the disappointments of life. That's what, be, that's what being faithful is. Think about that for just a moment. Living aware of His presence and blessings in spite of doubts, questions, and even some discontent with the issues and the mysteries and the disappointments of life. That's being faithful. But there's, it's even more important than that. Let me tell you what's really more important than that. And that is this. We, don't miss this. If you've been asleep, wake up, get this, all right? We can be faithful because God is faithful. That's just it right there. We can be faithful because God is faithful. Let me show you this. This is so good. This is, watch this, watch this, watch this. Uh, 1 Corinthians. But remember that the temptations that come into your life, you go, okay, here we are, are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. God is faithful. You get that? He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. You may not, but it's you, He gives you the ability to get out. That's what He's saying. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give into it. You don't have to give into it. You may, but you don't have to. You don't have to be a slave to it. You may make the choice to, but you don't have to when Christ is in your life. That's the important issue here. We can be faithful because God is faithful. And keep in mind, the whole context, I started off with this. This isn't something that I just can, you know, bite my lip and say, I'm going to be more faithful. It is a byproduct of God, the Holy Spirit, working in me. God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. Pray. Let's ask God to, to keep us and to make us faithful to Him. God, thank You so much for Your grace and Your love. Thank You, Lord, that while we may, You never let us down. And I pray, God, that we would be especially aware of that and aware of Your presence as we seek for that faithfulness to take over our lives thoroughly. We thank you for Jesus who came and lived and suffered and died and rose again to make this possible in our lives. We pray these things, Lord, in, in, in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.